Hello all and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Kubal. Today I have me a very special guest, Anna K. Moss. Anna, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm really good, thank you. Very excited to be here. Yeah, I was really excited that we could reschedule. <laughs> I'm sure the audience was like, oh God, it's happened to him again. <laughs> but as long as we're pumping out content and getting people you know, to buy your books, I guess we're all okay. <laughs> But I really appreciate you being flexible and helping us out. Anytime where I have to reschedule somebody, I freak out. I'm like, because I want to like, you know, there's a reason why we invite people on. So, you know, I really want to get people on and, you know, get their name and their product out. Like I had an interview yesterday and I like, I said to the author, I was like, I don't know why, but I was like, every time that we reschedule, like, that's like the worst day I've had in like a month. And she's like, oh no. So we were finally able to do it yesterday. I just felt so accomplished. I was like, we got it. I was like, you know, Murphy's Law can't touch us now. Uh, so yeah, so I'm really glad that we could get this going for you today and oh, talk about you know, your debut novel, The Worthy. So I was looking at Goodreads and I was like, oh, this sounds really good the other day or a couple of weeks ago when I saw it. I can't remember. I can't remember if I saw you on Facebook or where I got to start writing down where I see people, but I was like, Oh, that sounds really cool. Um, which is also why I love when people share things or, you know, I get sponsored ads or something like that. Cause it doesn't just help me find books. It's helped me find authors recently to interview. So it was one of those. I was like, Oh, that sounds really cool. So nice. really, really glad that we can get you on and talk about your debut novel. So. Cool. Well, I'm glad that you found me. It was probably either on Instagram or Twitter, I imagine. I I'm not, think I'm not it was, on Facebook. I want to say Twitter, but everybody always says like, oh, you always say that. <laughs> I'm like, well, usually it's true, but <laughs> Twitter's my water cooler, as I say. Uh, but Anna, we'll go right there and start right in that, that first one, which is definitely a fan favorite. It's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, what has your writing journey been like up until this point? Um, I was really, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this question because it's, the first word that came to mind was isolated, actually. Mm. So the only the last um, few days have I begun to receive feedback from my ARC readers, my advanced review mm. copies. Oh, interesting. So The Worthy is yet to debut. Yeah. Um, it's coming out on August the 15th. It, it might be out when <laughs> by the time that this airs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, up until this point, before I'd actually had the feedback from my um, from my ARC readers, I the only people that had seen it had been a, a small selection of beta readers and a couple of members of my family. So this writing journey has, has felt very, very insular, very controlled, very inwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... As a result, over the last few weeks, since I've been beginning to do marketing and, you know, sending out teaser excerpts and the ARC, um, ARC copies, it's suddenly been, oh, wow, I'm really having to now be very kind of exposed and vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. It's no longer like an isolated experience. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And that's quite quite frightening, really, for, um, yeah. for first-time authors, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even, I, you know, I, I think it would be, you'd have to have extraordinary self-belief and maybe a big dollop of arrogance to go yeah this is gonna be great because actually until you do have that external validation <laughs> it's like I mean I, I think this is, this is pretty good but maybe maybe I'm just totally deluded yeah, yeah. Um, so but actually yeah as I say until a few days ago then then started to get feedback from um, the ARC readers and I've been absolutely blown away by it I oh, was awesome in tears yesterday from some feedback that, that I got and also this morning um that sort of hit of having some positive really positive feedback was just astonishing it made that the whole of the the blood and sweat and tears of the <laughs> last um uh, of the last months or years really suddenly feel worth it it was very yeah, yeah. uh it was quite quite a thrill um and it's it's really what us indie authors rely on is is those reviews and and feedback from individuals who take the time to yeah. to to support and um and buy our books. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I my friend was teasing me the other day because I was doing something and at, at my job and I was like I knew it was the best way it had to be done and 
I knew people weren't going to be happy, but I just did it. And afterwards I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I was just like, see you later. <laughs> he was like, I think that he goes, I hope that you have that same skill when your books come out next year. He's like, because I think it'll serve you well. And I was like, well, I was like, not everybody's going to like everything. You know, I said, I think the thing is like, I looked at Brandon Sanderson and, and uh, Ursula K. Le Guin in particular, um, I got down a rabbit hole on Reddit of their reviews. And I'm like, Personally, I think Ursula K. Le Guin's one of the greatest authors of all time, you know, and to see what people said about her or Brandon, I was just like, wow, I kind of feel better now. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, Brandon still does really well. And so did she. So I'm just like, well, I think Absolutely. it you know, really does come down to, you know, your interests and, you know, being subjective. And there was one book that I read that was the old Forgotten Realms book and it just, it worked for me. The arc was amazing. I love the character development. It's just so standalone and I, I loved it. And I went on and, you know, it, average like 3.2 out of five on you know goodreads and i definitely didn't agree with that you know so i really think it just goes to show you you know that you know it really is subjective but i think you brought up a good point that really just comes down to finding your audience right like your audience is going to love the worthy so you just gotta go out and i think that's the hardest thing is for people to find their audience that's the thing i'm most worried about not reviews but finding my audience for sure yeah it felt uh, one of the one of the arc readers is is super into grimdark fantasy and when giving feedback drew lots of references to some of my favorite authors and that <laughs> that was what I thought well if this if this is the only review that I get from this one from this one person then it felt it, it just felt amazing and that's I think awesome. that's in, interesting like as, a, as an author authors have different ways of maybe balancing what they've what they determine success as yes, totally totally so is it monetary success is it about how many copies I can sell is it um you know how much traction or engagement I might get with social media and yesterday when I got that feedback I was like ah oh, this is it for me like it hit me really right right oh, in the cool. right in the chest right in the field yeah. I was like this this is what what success or um vindication in a way kind of <laughs> kind of felt like, like yeah. wow this is because this person really got it mm -hmm. and if that's just that one person that really got it then I know that I did I, that I did something yeah. right yeah. um so yeah finding finding your audience is <laughs> is the key word I like that word though vindication I mean because it is right like you you know I had 14 years you know right in the same fantasy book really and then you know yeah I mean you know when I my, my buddy the other day said something about it he's like how's it going I'm like I was like it's taking me a little bit longer you know to figure out a couple of things I'm like but that's okay I'm like I really want it to be you know like the best possible thing because I've spent so much time and energy on it you know and I do want people to enjoy reading it you know and I mean that's books right <laughs> like you're trying to get people to read and then read the next one so it's like some people are just you know I think think of it as, oh, it's just my head and, you know, it's this story and things. And not that you shouldn't tell the story you want, you should definitely do that. But again, I think it comes to, you know, if people aren't liking it, I don't necessarily think that that's the problem. It's like the, the Alchemist, and I'm totally blanking on who it was written by, but it was out for like 10 years, like something like 10 years before uh, Bill Clinton got to it. And then after that, he sold like 1.5 million copies within, you know, like two years. You know, and now it's one of the most successful books of all time. You know, it took 10 years, but, you know, and I think a lot of people forget that George R.R. R. Martin, you know, he was well known and a heavy hitter, you know, in terms of the industry, but he wasn't until Game of Thrones, you know, and he had been in the game for a long time. Um, Adrian Tchaikovsky, same thing, you know, he was going to give up and then wrote Children of Time, you know, and now, <laughs> you know, after 15 years. So I just think it's like, I think you made a great point, though. It's, you know, vindication and, also, how do you measure success? I think is a good one for people to think about. And I think also that maybe I need to tweet Bill Clinton about my book. <laughs> you know what? I, I just mean, you know, if it worked for The Alchemist, then maybe. <laughs> so it was just such a it was such a weird. I had no idea. I thought it came out that year, and then when I you know started studying publication. Uh, on my own and a friend sent me this article it goes I think you should read this article and I read an article about it I was like that is such a it, that that story in itself is interesting like the alchemist I read I absolutely loved it it's one of my favorite books I read in the last 10 years and has one of the greatest arcs but like 
I'm just thinking to myself, like how that just goes to show you, right? Like I have a friend who has a book out recently and just had the novella out, the prequel novella. And I haven't gotten to it fully, but I was like, I just want to see what's going on, you know? And it's very Robert Jordan-like. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you just have not found your audience yet. I'm like, this is fabulous. This is totally up my alley for, you know, Malazan Book of the Fallen or whatever, you know? And I do think it just comes down to, I told him, I was like, please do not quit. I was like, please just keep going. Like, I know it's hard. I'm, I wrote a podcast, like, I get it. You know, we're down, we're trickling compared to a couple of weeks ago, what we were, we were like skyrocketing and now it's here. And I'm like, it's the same thing, you know, for reviews or book sales, you know, and I just think it comes right back to what you said, you know, about like, how do you measure success? And, you know, I also think you made a good point about what vindicates your writing or, you know, yourself as an author. And I just don't think a lot of people think about, it. I think they just want to get the book out, but they don't think about, you know, their goals. I just talked to another author today. I said, well, what are your goals? And he was like, what? I'm like, yeah, what are, what are your five-year goals? What are your 10-year goals? You know, like I have them you know, in five years, I want 50 books, you know, is that hard? Yeah. But even if I hit 25, that's going to be really successful. Even 15, you know, would be really successful three a year, you know? And he was like, wow, I never thought of that. And I talked to a artist the other day where she said the same thing. She's like, I don't really know. I'm like, it's great to get the product out, but I just think it's, you know, it's also important to think of like, you know, where you want to be. Because just as like a teacher and coach, I just know that setting goals is more helpful. So I think, finding what vindicates you, like you said, I love that term for it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, really thinking about it, I think in the long run, I think you'll get less burnout and you'll enjoy the writing more. And I think you'll find that other things that you didn't know will vindicate you. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, really finding the audience helps to be, you know, to vindicate your writing. Absolutely. And I think you're totally right about the goal setting as well. I, I love achieving goals. And I think that <laughs> what I was saying about, you know, like the experience of writing for a very long time in an isolated way yep. without setting kind of mini tiny little goals, you know, even down to the hour. Like if I can just get through the next yeah. passage, I'll go and have a nice cup of tea and a piece of toast. Or, you know, if I can manage to do this many words by the end of this week or this month, then having that kind of little hit of, 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 of achievement yep. was almost my, my, my own success. And that yeah, yeah. internal success or validation had to, had to be there to be able to kind of yeah. uh, enable me to go the distance because writing is certainly to me feels much more like a marathon than, than yeah, a sprint. That's true. Yep. And you've got to have those little kind of almost like little water or, jelly shot breaks when you're doing a marathon yeah. you, you've got to be able to have that when you're writing as well because uh, you know otherwise even if you can really envisage that end goal with everybody going yeah you did it uh it's it feels intangible um until you until you really get to that point so you've got yeah. to have some way of having some rewards and and that validation along the way and goal oh, setting totally. I think is a great way to do that yeah well that's why I you know at first I was just planning on writing a novella for my own fantasy setting and i was like oh 10,000 5,000 words i was like oh 10,000 words 15,000 then i got going i was like ooh this is like a trilogy <laughs> and my friends like <laughs> what are you talking about and i said oh i really discovered you know like these great themes these characters and i was like i think there's a lot here rogues of course so i people on here know i absolutely love rogues uh, and thieves um you know and now I'm like, okay, well, I had a couple others. I was like, yeah, they're going to be novellas. And now I'm like, oh, or short stories. I was like, oh, now they're novellas. And I'm like, came up with one series of novellas for like a Sinbad, like thief type character that just gets into a lot of trouble. It was a lot of fun to write. Um, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting. Like you said, like I'm starting now to be like, oh, okay, I just want to start to just finish things. At first it was like, oh, I just want to finish this chapter. I want to finish, you know, this part of the book. And then after my first book, I was like, okay, well, draft one's done. Now I want draft two. And then when I got stuck with that, I was like, well, I'll write a short story and then novella. And now I got like three prequel novellas, but it's fun, right? To, I think it's fun to finish, you know, even a yeah. draft and it's cool now to be like, oh, I have two scenes away from finishing two books, you know? Um, yeah. Absolutely. So I, and you've yeah, got to celebrate point. those wins yeah. as well. Yeah. You've, yeah. Got to, you've got to celebrate those kind of, you know, I finished the first draft or, and yeah. sometimes I see people on Twitter, they almost kind of throw it away of like, oh, hey, writing community finished my first draft it's like no like i'm not always responding like please go and get some champagne yeah. or something it's a great accomplishment you, gotta give most people don't power. even do that like yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm a martial artist. Yeah. No, totally. I'm a martial artist. We talk about all the time. We're like, how many people that start don't get their black belt. And then when you get a second black belt, it's like, it's even smaller. And when you're talking about writing a book versus martial arts, most people do martial arts instead of writing a book. So it's like such a smaller community, you know, and then people that, like you said, you know, write a draft. I know so many people like, oh, I did write a book, but I didn't put it out there. I just didn't finish. And I'm like, why? Like, and I'm like, I get it because it's hard, but you know, and it costs money and things. But at the same time, it's like, like, like think of how many, that's what I like about indie publishing is like, think of how many books we did not get. Think of how many, you know, Ursula Kayla Gwynn's that were out there that we will never hear their story because of people, you know, within the last few decades within publishing, you know, we're like, oh, with querying or whatever, we're like, oh, you know, like imagine if they had indie publishing and the confidence and people encourage them, like, you know, we could, it just, it blows my mind how many amazing stories we probably missed out on because of lack of confidence and, Mm -hmm. you know, lack of resources, you know, like now indie is just like, I remember when I was, you know, eight and eight years ago, basically, yeah, seven, eight years ago, I met a bunch of indie authors with Kevin Hearn, Brandon Sanderson had just came out. He was there with Way of Kings. Patrick Rutherfuss had just came out with In the Name of the Wind. And, you know, people were being polite and going and getting their signatures. And then three weeks later, they're like, oh man, what do I have here? You know, but there's so many indie authors there too, that were, you know, that were there. And now I look back, you know, 10 years later, almost, and I'm like, wow, like, their careers have changed a lot because they stuck in the game. But some of those people that were there, which I usually don't talk about, wrote one, two, maybe three books and they were done. So it's interesting to see whether these people already had a trilogy and just kept pumping out content. And now they're like household names. Brian McCollum is one of them. He had his first Powder Mage book and, you know. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Like other than Abercrombie, I just... I tell so many people about Brian McClellan because it's weird. He's, it's, he still seems to me like Brian McClellan isn't still yeah. that known with him. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, he's just amazing. Like yeah. one of my he's so cool heroes. to listen to. I want to have him on at one of these points. I, I'm like, I just love hearing him talk about writing. I mean, his world building is just like, he's helped me so much. We're just listening to him on, on how I build, build. And, but, you know, you think of like, if he hadn't sold, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy to think about how many people like that, you know, like that we wouldn't have. And my buddy, and I were just talking about the other day, another author, he was just like, Oh, that really bugs me now. He's like, he's like, I, we would have, he would have, he's like, I have to have so many more shelves. I'm like, I know. I was like, we're all saving space, but at the same time, we're missing out on these great stories. So I always encourage people just to, you know, I'm like, tell people the podcast too. Like, if you need help, like, just let me know. Like, if I can't help you, find somebody that can, you know, like I, I want to read your story. So Awesome. Speaking of stories, though, Anna, what is your debut novel, The Worthy About? Ah, well, um, without sounding too much like I'm reading the blurb from the back of a book. which First first of all, I was going to say, that was the next thing I was going to add is I wanted to know after this. So why don't you tell us that? But I also want you, I'm going to insert... How'd you come up with your blurb? Because I read a lot of blurbs and that was a really good blurb. So oh, definitely want so to talk much. about that. So feel free I'm to read sure. it if you want, because that's <laughs> a good blurb, because we're going to dissect well, it a little bit. So Well, I'll tell you all then. I will read the blurb because I have a copy of my, <laughs> my book. <laughs> it looks really good, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Um, blood is thicker than water. Tell that to Prince Boston, betrayed and abandoned on foreign soil. His sister is intent on claiming the throne and he's intent on stealing it back. One of them might succeed if it weren't for a sacred creature infecting people with its emotions, rage, fear, paranoia, despair. As their country collapses, the royal siblings must stay true to themselves or find out just how thick their blood really is. Um, and in essence, really, without sounding too, too, without you know, kind of moving away from the blurb, it's set in the it's set in a kingdom, the kingdom of Crow. Um, people in Crow are starving. The paranoid king has waged war for decades and the country is really in a sorry state. Um, and Princess Aelith and, and Barston, who I just mentioned in the blurb, they, they have to prove themselves worthy of this, of this throne. And Barston decides to do that by pillaging a wealthy nearby nation. Mm-hmm. However, he is betrayed by his mentor in the kind of you know very initial opening chapters of the book and left for dead now who he's betrayed by takes this sacred creature from this nation not knowing what its particular powers are 
and transports it home to the nation of Krell, <laughs> where Aelith is trying to uh, prove herself worthy of the throne. However, as the creature's particular powers, it's not magical powers, it's it's literally just its own biological defense mechanism. Oh, cool. I was going to ask you about that. That's awesome. Oh, so how it, it's how it defends itself. So mm. as it becomes soothed or happy, then people around it feel um, calm and, and loving. Whilst it's frightened, angry, then those around it feel frightened and angry as well. And those, those feelings really begin to um, permeate through the city, uh, the capital city of Krell, Kramor, and in, infect essentially this, this entire nation. Oh, wow. So um, it, it has a, a, an enormous effect on, um, on, the, on the citizens. Um, so meanwhile, whilst all that is going on and Aelith is trying to um, hold the country together and prove that she's the right ruler, Barston is trying to make his way back from um, the nation which he was pillaging and was, and was betrayed in. So there's kind of an epic journey for him. Um, across seas and and uh, and over land in order to get back to the capital um, to enact revenge. Um, it's worth mentioning as well that Aelith has a pretty exp- explosive secret. She has a secret lover, a woman, and in the nation of Krell, unfortunately, amongst their other prejudices, it is a pretty homophobic place to be. Mm. Um, that's something that I wanted to bring into the story as a, as a queer person. Um, and certainly my experience of growing up in the, in the eighties in deepest, darkest England, um, mm. I did experience, um, biphobia. Um, and I wanted to bring part of her, her pain, princess Aelith and her experience of not being able to be out and experiencing longing and love and trying to save the person that she loves ultimately whilst all the while appearing completely um completely in control and capable of ruling this nation so it's very high stakes for 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 the two siblings um and there is a lot of violence there is a lot of gore there's a lot of treachery <laughs> um and yeah i guess in some ways you could describe it as if game of thrones had a had a weird kind of baby with um perhaps parts of 28 days later mm. where we see things really kind of collapse that sort of anger wow. and violence and, and and paranoia which which kind of spreads throughout our population um but that sort of court intrigue um and treachery is is, is there on on another level as well oh, interesting Wow, you had a lot there. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, what do I ask? I was like, that's really neat. Um, I guess, first of all, themes is what I kind of want to break down there. Like, it seems, themes and conflicts, I guess, is maybe the best way to put it. So you have, the thing that surprised me the most with your blurb was that you just, first of all, the hook, just that first line uh, was awesome. And then you actually went in to talk about the story. Because so I was like, ooh, that's a good little good little quote there. I was like, I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then, you know, the next line in particular really drew me in. And then from there, especially like, you know, the creature with the emotions, um, I was like, oh, that's really cool too. And I was like, that really like made me wonder, you know, like, is it magical? Is it just how, you know, is it an organism, how it works? Like my analytical mind was like, I have to read this book just to figure out how this creature works. Um, But I did like the themes that you talked about there, betrayal, you know, um, discrimination, equal rights, past trauma. Um, and I, there seems to be a theme lately with people who we've had on, which I really like where, cause I do that a lot too, um, in terms of, you know, trying to come up with a more realistic character or, you know, um, or story where it's almost like a couple people I've read recently where it's like, almost like, like HM Long's one where I mean, like her book Hold Smoke, where there is a lot of trauma, you know, and the main character, um, her whole village gets killed. And you find that out like really soon in the, in the, you know, the blurb and stuff. Um, And she's got to go on this quest. And I just think I liked it so much because the character felt real. So, you know, in terms of your themes and conflicts, like it seems to me like you're just like, I'm a history teacher. So it really just seems like anything that I teach or any news article or person you talk to just in a fantasy setting. 
And I like that because I feel like people, your audience and your readers will be able to connect more with your characters and they'll like it because it's grimdark, right? But at the same time, they come because it's grimdark, but they're going to leave, I feel like, because you have a more realistic, you have more realistic themes and conflicts going on between your characters, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I think that's something that I really wanted to bring to the fore of, of, of my writing is not on, only my own kind of personal experiences, but certainly the zeitgeist of how how it feels to live in the UK at the moment, certainly over the last few years, um, without kind of diving too much into politics, the hardening of national borders, as I know that you would have seen in the in, you know in recent years in the US, yep. um, the that sort of pointing a finger of um, it's it's over there that the problem is that's that, that's coming in and and, and creating issues. Um, all the while we see pretty much whole scale corruption uh, yeah. and and I find that and I know lots of other people find that deeply upsetting yeah. um, and that's one of actually on the back of the back of the book is one of the the my favorite uh, favorite lines which is that's what being a leader is all about persuading the masses to hate your enemies for you and it's it's that kind of prejudice which uh, is is inflamed, I think, by by modern day media, uh, which means that we are looking looking outwards and we're pointing our fingers at, at, at others, really, rather than kind of cleaning up our own mess. And that's yeah, something yeah. that I wanted to bring to the fore within the worthy, that this sort of um, uh, superiority um, nationalism, which I think has quite. Uh, dire consequences yeah that is yeah nutshell right (laughs) (laughs) we keep bringing that up over and over again I'm teaching ancient history right now and then we're you know I usually teach like middle school here so usually I teach like U.S. history Um, so it's interesting to see that national nationalism really hasn't changed too much you know over the years I mean you know look at you know Ukraine and Russia right now and it's like hasn't changed you know look at united states hasn't changed so yeah it's quite interesting i actually you uh brought up your quote yesterday actually um and used that quote actually because we were talking about the corruption of different governments um in ancient kingdoms so um oh. that came in really handy <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I feel my other class, we're getting nice. to that tomorrow so my other class here will get to that tomorrow so we were talking about uh, my co-teacher and i were talking about making that a poster actually um, so we're trying to make it a advertisement for you there. Um, love it. Got a lot of kids in my classes that love grim dark um, during the year and stuff. So I'm sure they'll get a kick out of that. But yeah, we were just like, man, that like that that was really true. Um, but I love that quote on the back. Um, I think in terms of just pointing out to people for advertising, I just you know, in advertising your book and your story, um, and then getting into the genre very easily. I just felt like your blurb. And then that quote in particular, like we're very fascinating and hold me instantly. So, I mean, the, the book, the cover looks absolutely great for the genre, but to me, it was really like the blur. And then that quote mixed with the cover that I was, it was like one, two, three, <laughs> four boxes. And I oh, didn't even get to the fourth one. So I was just like, okay, cool. Um, that's lovely so to hear. I'm, I'm just want to say, I feel that that's working um definitely for you I feel like that's going to work really well for you um I look at a lot of a lot of books you know a lot of blurbs not only for myself but people always ask me and um I think I'm horrible at writing blurbs but I know you know which ones I like you know I'm just like oh I like it and this is why uh so I just want to point out to the audience that if you're having trouble go and check out Anna's uh blurb to kind of dissect it and then we're going to bring in the boys from Wizards, Warriors, and Words. They have several episodes that they have done um, to dissect different blurbs. So the things that they are saying to do, yours does very well. So um, they, they want them shorter. They want the hook. They want a little bit of, you know, what's going on, but still that mystery. And I feel yours like off the last time where they kind of explain what they look for as readers um, and look for in writing their own. I feel like yours checks all the boxes. So I think that it's really, really good. Um, Thank you. Very jealous. Great. <laughs> very jealous. <laughs> um, I'm actually collecting authors, blurbs who I like, 
um, to study, to write my own. So yours is definitely one of them. So now wow. I need a cool quote on the back too. So thanks for, uh, <laughs> for changing that. <laughs> no worries. I mean, that's literally how, literally how I wrote mine was that I looked at my favorite authors, so, you know, especially within the genre of dark fantasy and, mm. and, and grimdark and just try to kind of break it down. What it, what is it that they, that they're actually doing here with the, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. With the structure. So, you know, learn, learn from other authors who have done it before and, um, and who have editors and marketing teams yeah. to be able to help that's, them. Yeah, that's the key, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's no, it's totally true. Well, it's interesting that you just so, cause you brought that up. It's interesting to see people, um, compare the audiences and the blurbs for traditional publishing versus indie publishing. Um, so sometimes, you know, you'll see people copy them and then they don't work. So maybe somebody in India tries to copy, you know, Brandon Sanderson's or somebody from Tor. And that's not always, I don't recommend that. You know, I think you should, like you said, like find the authors. Um, I think if you're indie personally, I would, not that you can't learn something from both, but I've just seen people who are like, oh, this isn't working. I'm like, well, the indie crowd is a bit different than, you know, particularly grim dark fantasy is different. You know, like Joe Abercrombie's over here doing one thing and please Joe Abercrombie, you know, Brandon Sanderson's over here doing one thing, you know, and there's so many great female authors that I've read recently where I'm like, oh, they're definitely doing their own thing and it works, but you know, for no, their types of tales and marketing, but again, they're bigger names, you know, and they can get away with that. You know, Fonda Lee, I think can get away with a lot more than, you know, somebody like myself, you know, coming into urban fantasy for indie, you know, and, I think it's really important to, you know, study everybody's because you never know, you might have the next big thing, but definitely I think, you know, go with, you know, go with who is in your genre and who is, you might just want to look at it, just something to think about, you know, traditional versus indie, but mm. yeah, it's, it's interesting. Once I was studying different people, I was, I was like, oh, this is a totally different type at times uh, of a marketing campaign, you know, and you can tell the audiences are a bit different, but Grimdark's always grimdark, I think, but <laughs> uh, we'll go right into that. I'm going to add, I'm kind of going to combine these two. Um, I have to switch this around because I have to know now about this creature. So it sucks in emotions, right? And can emit them back to people. Now you said it was not magical in nature. So it's an organic creature then? With a, I, I don't want right. to spoil anything for anybody, but. Yeah, no, it's fine. So so it is an organic creature. It doesn't um, suck in emotions. It, it's literally just projecting its, its Oh, own. okay. Uh, it's emotions. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> so it's this tiny ape-like creature. It's, it's very, very small. One of the ARC um, readers said, it's just so sweet. And that's and I was really delighted by that because it, it is something that's very small and 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 precious, but at the same time can wreak absolute havoc. Um so if it's feeling pretty blissed out, then it's you know spreading its emotions. Yeah, you don't want to be in the middle of a battle, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if it's if it's if it's frightened, then those are those around it become frightened. It doesn't affect everybody there is a small percentage of the population which remains uninfected but of course if they're around people which are affected and become violent or paranoid or fearful then they themselves are, are going to be screwed one way or another because yeah. you know somebody you might turn on your best friend as you become fearful or mm. you know your your wife or, or whoever because yeah. you become so so full of 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 this emotion um and there's one character in particular who's um very very closed down with with his feelings um and there's there's kind of a, a, a with a lot of medievalism within fantasy an element of that sort of toxic masculinity of you know yeah. a man's man and oh, we've got to swing our swords and we don't talk about our feelings um and this uh one character um is really 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 very much suppressing suppressing his his feelings um even though he's affected by by the creature he has kind of some mastery over what he's going through but ultimately well we'll see we'll see what happens i'm not going to give i'm not going to give more away about that yeah. particular character um but yeah as i say it is it is biological it's a strange little little beast that's been <laughs> found 
um, and cared for 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 many years by the nation of Jintin, which is this nation which is pillaged at the at the beginning of the book, um, and then transported across the seas. And who knows? Hopefully, one day it will get back. We'll see. Well, that's interesting. Now, in terms of so I'm, that's why I flipped this. So, in terms of world building, did you have that idea first, or were you building your world and then? that kind of came in later. I was just curious about like that type of process. Um, it came in the very early stages of um, setting out the plot actually. Mm. Um, so I had the idea, oh gosh, must be about 10 or 12 years ago for the, oh, wow. for the, for the main character and what he was going through. And I wanted to write very much a morally gray character, somebody who in a way is a bit of a Joffrey um, you know, from from Game of Thrones. Yeah, so yeah. he's he's pretty unpleasant. There's there's some definite arrogance. He's not psychopathic at all in the way in which Joffrey is. He's uh, mainly pretty naive. Um, and I wanted to write uh, write somebody who was a, who was difficult in that way. Mm. Was was kind of a difficult character to in some ways to get behind somebody who was very much morally grey and wasn't you yeah. know. Uh, um, a Conan type, definite good guy, mm-hmm. hero, uh, but instead somebody who is really difficult. Um, and of course, he does go on his own uh, development arc uh, throughout the story. Um, so it was originally, you know, an idea about him, and I and I thought for a long time about this particular character and that he was probably going to try and prove himself and that would probably involve pillaging a nation. And as then actually when I sat down and really started plotting things out, I was like, what is it that, what is it that could be brought back from that particular place, this beautiful mm-hmm. place that he goes to, which could destroy his own. Um, and of course it's a pretty famous, you know, pretty well used trope within fantasy is that, um, powerful artifact. But yeah, I, I like how you were with a creature. It's just <laughs> yeah. so much better because I'm just thinking of like all the implications, you know, like like you were saying earlier, like when it's scared, you know, versus like just an item that corrupts. Like that's just one. I guess it's because you you came up with an idea that's multifaceted. And I'm thinking of the world building implications. Like, is it the only one? Are there more of them? Were there more of them? why aren't there more of them now? Like the, the world building just like goes on and on and on. And it's just like, it's so much more interesting to me than just, you can even a imagine magic sword. like yours is non-magical. <laughs> like there are magical creatures that do that, you know, and yours is non-magical like that to me, just like it adds, a, yeah, it just adds a whole bunch of faceted layers. And I feel like you could just go on and on with, you know, interesting conflicts that, you know, you've come up with because of that idea. Thank you. Yeah, I think I feel quite lucky that I came across that particular idea because of the way in which it could affect people or not affect people. And then so it starts to bring in lots of different dynamics on a very local sort of personal scale, but then becomes pretty much sort of whole scale destruction and how somebody who's actually trying to sort everything out and Princess Aleph and you know right the wrongs of what's going on in the nation all the while really trying to trying to sort things out within this city which is completely collapsing so it goes from that conflict of personal into um you know a much sort of wide wider scale yeah like the sociological yeah it's crazy yeah um and so yeah and isn't just say one person wielding it like a magic sword I mean, I love I love a good magic sword story. Yeah, who uh, doesn't? <laughs> but, but it's you know it's normally about that one person who has control of that one particular magical object, and then what what they can do with it. And I wanted it to be something which affected uh, one of my one of the characters is a is a tiny little girl who who lives in the slums of the city. So we see things from her perspective as well as the city begins to fall apart. So I wanted something which was going to affect a lot of people in different ways. Um, yeah. And there, the creature was born. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I just want to point out to the audience that like sometimes, like, let's say that you, I don't know if this happened, but let's say that you did, let's say you, let's just pretend, right, that you had an item 
And then you went through with your draft one and draft two, and you're like, okay, it's a great story. I got great characters, but I need to change something like something doesn't fit. Like that's not a, it's crazy to think, right? That that's not a big leap. You know what I mean? Like in terms of, oh, it's going to be a creature. Well, magical or non-magical. Like it seems like point A to point B is not that big of a leap, but it really is. It, it's not a big difference, you know, to do, but it is in terms of the thinking. And then the repercussions of it is huge. I mean, you go from, you know, what could be a mediocre fantasy story, you know, from what most people's perspective to all of a sudden you have this great, unique idea. And I just think it's important to point out because you could just be like doing the dishes, right? And you could have been, oh, it's an item or a sword or whatever, or a ring. And then all of a sudden, bam, oh, it's a creature. Well, is it magical or non-magical? And then you're still, you know, then you go and whatever, you're like about to go to Target or something. I don't know. And then all of a sudden go to the store and all of a sudden, bam, you're like, you're there. And then all of a sudden you have this amazing story and idea. It's like, I just think it's like, it's not that far of a reach, you know, to think that you have something great, but maybe you just need to tweak one small thing to all of a sudden, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not, Absolutely. it doesn't seem like it's a big, it is a big deal, but it doesn't seem like it is at the time, but then it changes your entire story. And then that changes your entire world. And then, you know, now it's going to change your entire, you know, next set of books or whatever that are based in this world. I mean, that's really cool. Thank you. And I, I think it does help to, to think about what it is that you want, that you want to achieve with it. So say I did want to write a story about a magical sword, which had this particular power, you could still write something incredibly interesting with that if yeah. it was about the particular person's journey it could be um a really morally gray character that happens to have the sword and there's a lot of inner to- turmoil about how they how they deal with their new newfound powers and that can be that can be the essence of the interesting kind of hook or difference about it which takes it from a typical hero's quest to uh, to something which I think modern fantasy audiences certainly, you know, I- I expect is something which is much more multi-layered, um, yeah, yeah. and that's really what what got me to to the place of writing about this creature because I I, I knew that I wanted to do something which had a, a sociological impact as well as a personal impact, um, and the way to do that wasn't with an artifact; it was with something which had far far more kind of reaching powers. So. Sometimes it helps, I think, as a writer to think, what what is it that I want to achieve with this? Yeah, yeah. And then and then finding the thing that kind of gives you the almost the idea that transportation uh, yeah. to get you to that place. Yeah. Well, I have like a city from where my Thebes are. And I was like, well, I had stuff that wasn't working. I was like, I want like the, I'm like, well, I needed to show the differences between the social classes and I wanted it to be based on the structure of the city. And I wanted to show the desperation. You're kind of, cause my friend was like, I was talking to him and he was reading some of it. He's like, why on earth do these two kids care about joining the thieves guild? So I'm like, well, something isn't working there. So I was like, I'm going to change how the city is layered. So I have this outer part called the gutters where literally if you're the poorest of the poor, you're out there and it's little, it's awful. Like you'll see, you'll walk by people are murdered, whatever, you know um, there's dead bodies all the time, you know, and, there are particular places where, you know, you just don't want to be unless you're protected. And that's like the main one. And then as you go in, it gets richer and richer where, you know, you might have a hundred people living in like a tenement, you know, um, on the, the next layer in where then in the middle, these people have like square miles, you know, like the rich, these estates. And I wanted to show that, you know, that there's a reason why, you know, they're so desperate. And for some reason, one day I was like, well, how do I do that? And I was like, well, they're, from the gutters, I got it from this one game. I liked it. And I was like, well, but they have to be gutters. So I literally have it where everybody else's trash like goes out to those areas. And then it's also dangerous because certain, you know, creatures come out and, you know, are carry on or whatever, you know, and they're trying to pick through it. And it's like, you know, it's the only way a lot of people make their living. And I was like, it was one little thing though. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, this city is so much cooler. And now you understand the desperation, you know, of these two young men, why they would take on such a dangerous quest and, you know, possibly die. You know, I just think that there was a huge disconnect. So I think it is, like you said, it's interesting to see, because I had to do the same thing. Like, like, well, what do I want to show at the end? You know, like, where does the theme, you know, really match here? So I think that's, 
great advice right there so finding that and 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 always it's always really coming back to that asking yourself of what, well why what is my character motivation and if you can't actually justify what your character is doing at that time then then you probably need to have a rethink and then yeah, in yeah, finding yeah. that motivation like you have done is like well why would they go into this particular place then you then you've created this whole other incredible part of yeah. world building as a result it feels of it, deeper it feels like you're going in deeper water versus shallow and i think so, you get a lot more out of it you know like my friend he's like why well, i always think of world building like He's like, I don't like the iceberg. He goes, I like to think of it like, an, you know, like a pool or like a lake. And he's like, if you're, you know, if your world building is really shallow, he's like, you're just not going to get enough fish, you know? And I'm like, I, was like <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think of that, you know? And I'm like, that is true. I'm like, the deeper the world building, the more books I will buy, you know, like the more I will read. I like, there was one book I read recently and like, like, um, said the wrong thing. Um, HM Long's like Hall of Smoke. Like, I'm going to want to, I'm going to want to listen to that on Audible. I like to read books first and then listen to them on Audible. And I'm like, I need to listen to this book on Audible because I always get more out of it the second time because the world building was so deep. And I'm like, I know I missed things before and I like seeing how it was put together and kind of dissecting it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting when I think when you really look at it. But yeah, I was thinking like it felt deep to me, you know, like right off the bat, you know, and I felt like this is a world I you know, could read 10 books in and immerse myself and I don't really even care how much I have to pay for them. <laughs> to be quite honest, so. Love it. <laughs> Which actually leads me to my next question. Um, so what are your plans for After the Worthy? Like, is this going to be a trilogy, duology? Like, you know, how many books do you plan for this world or maybe this like particular set? So certainly a duology. I, I, I think to be honest, um, what the, the, the plans that I have for the characters um, and the world of the old lands um, and the nations therein, I feel like a, a another book is is necessary. Um, but at the moment, um, I don't have plans for a third. But there there will there will be a second. Um, and in the meantime, until the release of that, um, I'm going to be releasing short stories. Oh, cool. um, I'm also doing some interviews with indie authors um myself which will be on uh, oh, awesome. on on my site oh, that's um, awesome. it's been really wonderful actually I'm, I'm mainly active on instagram rather than rather than twitter and the bookstagram community is just so it's just so nice i was quite fearful of of being more active on on social media oh, um yeah. i think oh god you know what if i just get trolled all the time or whatever oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mean or anything but bookstagram oh my goodness it's just so lovely everybody's just so supportive i've never had a negative interaction with with anybody people are so um kind and i've met some really really talented authors oh, yeah. um so yeah i can recommend it to anybody who isn't a big part of the bookstagram community to um to, to dive in because everyone's just so nice um so yeah and through that have been have met some other indie authors which i'm um interviewing along with um some people who are actually outside of writing um oh, cool. some um gamers oh, and cool. um so so people who kind of are bringing a slightly different perspective to narrative yeah, um, yeah, yeah. narrative form that's like I, I just had so many people ask about the author side I'm like I've been trying to get comic book artists I was trying to get some blacksmiths that's why like my friend he's like your podcast doesn't really name your show very well I said yes it does I said we've just been doing I said this is just what I'm doing right now you know I said I want to get cosplayers and you know different people particularly for YouTube you know to do different stuff so nice. yeah, I feel that anything that helps people write because I think there's you know like blacksmithing like most people probably have never been to a blacksmith you know and I thought it'd be cool to you know, see their processes and things. And I'm addicted to blacksmithing. Like, I, I think it's so cool. I want to do it sometime, but yeah, that's awesome. awesome. I'll definitely have to check that out. You have to send me, uh, you know, those when you get them because I'll check them out and we'll share them as well. That's, that's really cool. I oh, like yeah. people. I think it's fun to, you know, <laughs> see people's different, different perspectives. It's interesting when you can look at the same thing, like writing like millions and millions of different ways. So, or like, you know, one thing, but yeah, it gets interesting. Which kind of leads me to the next one. Like, what's one writing tool or strategy that you think maybe you want to try when writing your next book? Mm, yeah, that's an that's a really interesting question. Um, there could be like like so, is there a trope that you really like that you're trying to 
bring into, you know, book two or whatever that you thought, you know, oh, that might be kind of fun and fit. Like, you know, so I consider like, I consider that a strategy, you know, like using a particular trope. Yeah. Um, so probably less so on the tropes. Um, I am an, I'm an editor for, for other authors. Oh, um, cool. I've mainly, mainly been doing work through private referrals. Um, oh, more perfect. recently, uh, I will be starting to advertise my, my services probably in a oh, month or cool. two post post book launch. Um, but one of the, the things is it's hard to edit your, edit your own work as I'm sure writers oh. who are watching this all, um, yep. yeah, was <laughs> sympathize with, um, and so I guess one thing which with writing the, the, the short stories, which I'm doing at the moment and writing the second book, I'm, I'm really trying to allow myself to just write and not, and not edit as I go. Um, I found with the first book that, um, although there were some structural changes that I, that I'd made, there wasn't a huge amount of, um, content editing that, that, that needed to be done. I was kind of surprised actually with, um, uh, that it, it wasn't every single sentence had to be tweaked and, and removed and rejigged and made more beautiful. I was like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe the editor's just sort of missing something here. And then I was like, well, no, actually I understand it because the first time as I'm writing things down, I'm looking very much at the sentence structure because I've got my, my editor's head on whilst I'm yeah, writing yeah. and looking at things like, oh, that could be made a bit tighter here. This could be made a little bit more descriptive there. Um, and sometimes that means I lose my flow about the yeah, story yeah, yeah. or the, the, the emotional state that the characters might be in at that time. And I think it's really important to try and get yourself into that emotional state to, to, to write with realism for those characters. And so that's something that I really want to try and do, do more of with, with, with future writing is just letting yeah, yeah. myself go and really very purposefully stopping myself as I'm, as I'm copy editing yeah, <laughs> as, yeah, yeah. As, as I go. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that's actually, I think that's really good advice first of all, but I think that makes total sense. I, I stopped. I stopped. I was like, I'm just going to write like my first novella. Now I'm like, this is horrible. I was like, but it, it has to be done. Right. <laughs> I have this, these two fight scenes to write and I'm not a big um, gun person, but I got these recon Marines and I'm like, I'm just going to write something and then I'm going to send it off to somebody who's been in that circumstance and I will have them help me out. You know, I'm like, but I'm like trying to learn everything you know, before writing is just not going to happen. You know, I can watch videos after, but I'm like, this needs to be done. And then anything I do later, is going to be done the editing process later for draft two. So I think that's the hardest thing is to not edit while you're writing. I've been really like, I'm not going to edit until I'm done. And that has, I've had to develop that as a skill because as a teacher, it's really hard. As a coach, it's really hard. It's like, I want to fix it now. And um, that, as an that, editor, it's really hard. I can yeah. tell you. <laughs> I can imagine. I, I had a hard enough time. So I can only imagine from your perspective, like kudos to you for finishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It took some getting there, but, but it did in the end. <laughs> yeah. It's all a different headspace. So yeah, I totally give you, give you credit for that. I, I would find that very, very, very difficult. Uh, so what is one thing you wish you could see your future author self accomplish? Um, it was that thing that you're going to do and you'd be like, this was totally worth it. Like I made it. <laughs> I made it. You know what I would, I would really, really love. Um, and I, I think other indie authors will be able to sympathize with this is that when we distribute our books, it's kind of tough to get them into physical book. Yeah. yeah. Physical bookstores. It would be not. Yeah. It would be nice to just be like, bam, like 20 bucks is hard. Yeah. Print books. Like, because 20 bucks, I could buy so many of my friends, you know, books on Kindle. It's like, yeah, there's a huge disparity. The the margin is, yeah, the, the margin is really, it's really small, especially with print on demand. Yep. Um, and one thing that, that I would, that I would really love would be able to be able to walk into a bookshop yep. and see my book on the shelf. I mean, I would just be I would be really made made up by that, even yeah. if it's just my 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 local bookshop. They like they picked it up as being oh a local author. Oh well, you know we'll stock Anna K. Moss's yeah. grimdark fantasy. 
I would I, I just I would just immediately burst into tears yeah I'd just be blown away by it so um to me that that would be wonderful I think that's a good one particularly for indie authors like I have an indie bookstore here and um, I've talked to the woman that's ran it. I buy way too many books from them. Um, like if I'm buying like my friend, like I'm buying, I don't go to Barnes and Noble to buy books uh, for people, most of myself either. Like I'll go there and I'll, I'll look around somewhere else. Amazon, she could order just about anything for me on Amazon. So if I am going to do a paperback like Will White's, um, she has a really good deal on. So I'll buy all the Will White's because um, I can support Will and I get my physical book uh, when I can. And I also support her at the same time. Uh, but she was like, yeah, as soon as your books come out, like, let me know. She's like, I'll, you know, keep five here all the time. Uh, so I was teasing. I was like, I'm going to write so many books that you're going to need your own, my own section. <laughs> I'm going to need my own shelf, <laughs> Laura, like right there. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's a really good one. I thought about that for a long time with this question. Now I'm like, I really want my book to be a graphic novel because <laughs> that's nice. what I was supposed to be an illustrator, but that's a really good one. I, now, now I feel like that's mine again. Like, that's a really good one. I think a lot of <laughs> um, indie authors listening would be like, yeah, that, that'd be cool. I mean, if we're going like crazy, proper, wild sort of fantasy thinking. Yeah, give me the fantasy then, one. Yeah, yeah. Then to see my book, The Worthy, as a, as a, as a film would be like, uh, I would just love that because I've written it in a very, I've, I've written it in a cinematic way. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's actually some of the feedback that I've had from and from an arc reader. Oh, it's like cool. I can imagine this so well. I feel like I'm there. Like it's reading like scenes from from a movie. Oh, that's awesome. I was like, oh, great, because that's really what I wanted to get across. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, when you've imagined something in so much detail, a particular scene, you're thinking, how do other people imagine this? How are other yep. readers? what does it look like this particular room I sort of <laughs> described it but you know how is it that they're actually seeing it and so to see something come to life in a medium which you can go look this is this is the world of the worthy that would that would be wow you know my mind would just be would, would be blown I just yeah, I'd yeah. be crying for days at that point <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool Oh, maybe I need a film too. If anybody wants to offer me a deal now, I'll take everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm open to options. Yeah. And it's fine. like a movie, Netflix, uh, comic, <laughs> like put it in every bookstore, all the airports. That's totally fine. <laughs> uh, so, Anna, obviously, you know, you got, um, you know, debut, de debut. With my poor kids all day. I've been doing that. I've had like the hardest names to pronounce in world history that I think I've ever had in this stretch and now I can't talk after this week. Uh, so you have your <laughs> debut novel, The Worthy. Are there any other news, updates, promos, current projects? You said you have some short stories, just, you know, before we head out, just let us know, you know, like, you know, where we can find these things and, you know, what you got on the horizon. Sure, so yeah, in terms of the short stories and interviews with with authors and also some, some blog posts around writing, um, then to check out my website, which is annakmoss.co.uk. Um, but also in the near future, I will start advertising my um, editorial services and that will be on my website as well. Um, as I say, it's it's all been through private referrals until only recently. So um, oh. that's pretty new and exciting. But I figured I, yeah. I need to get the book launch in you know August the 15th out of the way uh, first before kind of trying to uh, yeah. trying to do anything else. Because, boy, there is a lot of a lot of work involved in it. In a book yeah, launch, yeah, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> I'm like setting mine up like now. <laughs> like I, I have stuff planned where we're going to get a hold of people in November for literally like June. <laughs> like, um, yeah, so I definitely understand that. The books I was talking about, they also said they're like, yeah, we need to be like book six months out. I was like, wow. I was like, that's fine. But uh, that's how I do things. But I was like, wow, that's crazy. So, yeah, I can totally understand that. Uh, so obviously, you know, we'll just remind the audience that, you know, they can find your website right in the description anywhere where this podcast audio or video was found. Um, you can always find authors like Anna on my website. Um, we will be having the author's profile page up there by now. So make sure you go ahead and take a look at that page. Um, you know, check out Anna's description, um, you know, check out her book cover. Um, it'll be right there for you guys. Um, make sure you're also, you know, 
uh, reviewing any books that you're, you know, you're reading. I think particularly for indie, really anybody nowadays, just with how publishing is, you know, that's how people are selling books. But particularly if you like indie authors such as Anna, you know, make sure you're reviewing that so that somebody else can get into that algorithm and find her book as well. Um, yeah, Anna, thank you so much for coming on today. It was a real pleasure. I really enjoyed, like I said, your blurb. So I was really anxious to, uh, to ask you some questions about it. It got me thinking a lot about a lot of different things, which is good. It's one reason, one of the main reasons I do the podcast is to get my writer brain working. So, um, but yeah, you know, if you need anything else, you know, just let me know. Um, like I said, tag me in anything. If you want to get back on sooner, talk about editorial services or anything like that, we can do another one. And I got a whole, I've been trying to get editors on for a while. Um, oh, so cool. we're trying to expand on things, not just authors, because I set it up originally to be like that. Um, but yeah, if there's anything else I can do to help you or, you know, your debut out, just let me know and, you know, we'll help you as best we can. Thank you. That's so kind. And I've really enjoyed today. It's, it's been really fun to do nerdy book chat. This is like, it's what, it's what I live for. It's been, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed myself. So thank you so much. Excellent. Yeah, not a problem. Anytime, anytime. Well, Anna, I hope you have a great rest of the day and I'll be sending you an email shortly. And like I said, hopefully in the near future, we can get you on again. Awesome. Thanks so much, Daniel. Not a problem. Have a good rest of the day. Cheers. Bye.